0: This is Hugo from Gino
1: Dream. We are A's. We are Wonder Horse. <laughs> We're Basco,
0: and you're listening to Rock and Roll Rock With It.
2: Roll With It. There you go. Welcome to Rock and Roll With It. We're in Camden, London. We've got a very, very special guest today. I'm trying to keep it professional, but I'm also screaming inside because I am a mega, mega fan of this band. They have traveled across the world from Australia, and they are performing at coco tonight for the birthday party tour with don Broco. we are joined with dale from ocean grove
0: thank you for having me it's good to be
2: here we can't quite believe
1: that we've managed to chat with you because ollie just mentioned there you've come halfway across the globe from australia trying to see you guys is quite difficult we've we've traveled half the country before up to nottingham to see you guys but we've gone a little bit further than that before holly mentioned that she's fangirling but she took that to the extreme earlier this year
2: yeah so my birthday falls start of march and i was trying to figure out what to do for my birthday and i i was desperate to see you guys again cuz we'd seen you in nottingham you guys happen to be performing in prague so that's a that's a fair way from england and i was like we're going to Prague. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So
1: we, we're quite happy. We've not had to fly to the Czech Republic to see you guys. Uh-huh. We're just coming up to London. But can you tell us a little bit about Ocean Grove then for the uninitiated? What's Ocean Grove all about, Dale?
0: Uh, Ocean Grove is a, I guess, we call our brand of music odd world music. And why we give that term is because it's a bit of a blend of a lot of different styles, a lot of influences from the 90s and early 2000s that we like to put a new spin on and and bring all that was great about those eras of music sonically, aesthetically uh, to the forefront, to a new generation to a new audience, to an older audience to everyone um, and put our own spin on it and the shows are always about high intensity, energy, positivity you know, and kind of just having a shared experience with everyone and showing everyone that rock lives and uh, you know, it's it's just it's evolving and it's become sort of like a, a symbiosis with the crowd. Now it's like more and more we're realizing of oh, the odd world and odd world music isn't so much just about what we do in our written form and what we create, but it's it's actually the you know it's the back and forth with our crowds and the fans that we're accumulating across the world and the actual experience that I truly believe that within within the room, within the odd world when we're up on stage, it's it's a special experience like no other and that's what we're we're kind of endeavouring to create. So we're a heavy band, we're a, you know, a fun band and I'd like to think we're a unique band.
2: I completely agree with that and it's funny with your music because although it's like you know it's heavy guitars, like big sounds, I do find it very therapeutic like in the way it makes me feel. So is that something you do consciously or is it more It just happens
0: um i would say that what we're most conscious of when we're writing our music is definitely how it's going to make someone feel probably more so in the live setting secondary would be like also how would someone react like in their bedroom but we're always very conscious of like that 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 step beyond it just being like oh that that chord goes with this chord it's like it's more of a a broader understanding of like how does that tempo feel or how does how does that yes how does that chord sequence and this is where Sam is really great like he'll be able to he's kind of the the mastermind behind all the music and he really knows what chords referring to what you're talking about like can make you feel a certain way and I could never tell you that looking at a you know like picking up a guitar or whatever or looking at a, a chord chart being like yeah, when you do those chords, it makes you feel a certain way. But, like, he has that knowledge from just years and years of, like... You know, he his background's interesting because he was actually drumming uh, from a very young age in church. His mother's a pastor. So, he was sort of in the... And, and usually anyone that plays in, you know, choir, church kind of, you know, background, they've usually got pretty good chops and they've got a really tight understanding of, like, musicality. And I think in Christian sort of music it kind of lends itself to that that sort of where it's therapeutic or you know makes you feel sort of almost transcendent or things like that like i think that's woven its way into our music and our choruses maybe subconsciously but also intentionally at the same time because we have that toolbox um and referring what i was talking about earlier like we want to we want to offer that feeling of uplifting and positivity and making people walk away feeling like they can take on whatever it is that they once they leave the venue that they can go out there and get it whatever it is that it that that might be so yeah.
2: I get yeah. that, I get that. Yeah definitely. <laughs>
1: well something that's really interesting there you're saying about like Sam potentially being somebody's really helped your creative process the music has really evolved like you go all the way back to 2016 very new Metal and maybe a bit more like indie Britpop inspired now, is that a really conscious evolution or is again, is that just naturally happened as the band has gone on?
0: Being a bit of both, so uh, as, as the years have gone on, we've kind of had to go through an evolution of, of members, uh, some have sort of, you know, well pretty much for the most part it's been, you know, leaving on their own accord. And then once those sort of junctions have happened, we've realized that like, oh, maybe moving forward, this kind of outfit won't necessarily work anymore. So we've kind of had to make some difficult decisions first and foremost in terms of, you know, members and the structure of the actual performing band. Um, However, with the music, I think that it's sort of been this organic transition that's probably... You could pinpoint it mostly to when Twiggy joined the band. I think once Luke, our old vocalist, uh, decided to step away, and I stepped up as frontman. Twiggy came board, came on board at the same time, and with him, he brought a lot of that Brit pop sort of sensibility. Songs like Callie's Sun and Sonny, songs like this that have that very much, you know, yeah, identifiable sound. That was Twiggy's influence coming in that we'd never really kind of toyed with before that I don't think Sam or I would ever think to maybe write so that was like a definite junction where I was like okay that's where it sort of started to splinter off and sort of you come to now and and we've got new music around the corner and we're really excited because everything is sort of coming full circle where we've gone from like you said 2016, 2017 where it was sort of heavily sort of new metal and those kinds of themes to now um, you know a bit more sort of Brit, pop, posy, kind of punk rock, whatever it might be. But now that we've sort of really felt into that and almost got it out of our system and been like, sweet, we almost feel like we've conquered that sound as a band, like we've set out to do what we wanted to do and, and did it. Now we're ready to return back to sort of some of our older sounds and explore how would that sound now with this new outfit with Twiggy, Sam and me... At the forefront and what does that look and sound like with our vocals on it rather than say luke's or, or whatever it might be and so i think yeah we're very excited for that next chapter to begin because i think it's going to be an amalgamation of everything that's come up until this point all kind of fused into one and i think yeah i think our fans are really going to enjoy it
2: yeah and um, what about the transition for you because you were originally the bassist right and backing vocals so What was that experience like coming to the front of the stage and you being the the front man?
0: To be honest, you know, it might seem like it's the kind of thing that would, would like, scare the shit out of you and and just be like, oh, you're going from bass. It's maybe not the most traditional, like, uh, yeah, move. But for me, it really felt like it was what I always was meant to do and kind of deep down felt inherently was Um. my almost destiny in a way to not be too cheesy but it kind of the moment I stepped away from the bass and was able to just like it almost felt like I was liberated from yeah having to hide behind something like I didn't want to necessarily hide like I I knew I had something unique to offer and without an instrument around my neck and just being able to especially with a wireless mic that was kind of the next evolution once I'd realized like oh you know I'm a lot more mobile once I don't have a you know the cord attached and I can really you know, sort of use the stage as as I please. I was reflecting last night that, like, I'm finding so much joy on this tour, treating each show like my own little like 30 minutes of getting into a, like a state of flow, like free flow state, um, which is an incredible feeling. Like, I'm sure there's many musicians out there that can relate to this feeling, I hope, of getting up on stage and being so in the moment that you're not thinking about what's the next note, <clears throat> you're not thinking about like, oh, how do I look? You're just the, the performance and the action and the behaviour and everything that's happening is it's happening a couple of steps ahead of where your your mind is at. So rather than premeditating, it's almost like the mind is just having to catch up with what your instincts are just allowing you and letting you do. And that's been a really cool thing to kind of uncover this tour as a frontman that I've been tapping into over the last few years, but it's really... On a tour like this, when you're playing such great stages and venues with so much room and, you know, a great crowd to sort of, you know, just bare your soul in a way, it's been a really great experiment to see how far I can push it and yeah it's honestly like i love it and i love singing and that was always the thing that i was drawn to i was never so much a bassist it was always the vocal and yeah being able to just do that and uh yeah give it my all it's uh it's the best
2: yeah i mean your energy on stage is infectious like i mean we've seen you guys a couple of times now and we're going mental like
1: i would never have thought that you were a bassist before like that energy is so natural yeah
2: but like what is that pre-gig ritual to get you going? Like, surely that you don't just come on and you're like, yes.
0: To be honest, sometimes it is as simple as that. Like, I, uh, I've i learned, we've we've been humbled by, like, many, many tours opening, opening the show, you know, and I think that's really put some great experience under our belt because, uh, you know, it's easy to get sort of thrown off by, if you're not used to that, walking out to a half-full room and, It's quite cold and no one knows who you are it's like you got to put that aside like you can't let that dictate how you're going to present on stage so i've learned that like okay i need to regardless of what's out there i the moment i step out on stage it's like i'm on and even if i'm not that jacked up backstage i've i've just learned over time that like yeah the moment i step out it's like okay it's go time i got 30 minutes like you know, this is my, this is my job in a sense, like I'm gonna perform and I'm gonna give it my best shot. So it it definitely, you know, maybe might take a song or two, but once the adrenaline gets going, it's just like, yeah, I'm off like a spinning top and uh, (laughs) yeah.
2: I feel like being a support to the headliner is so important as well. Like you, you're the ones that are getting the crowd like gigged up, ready to go. So like, I feel like that's the ultimate test. And once you guys are headliners, you're gonna be freezing.
0: Well, yeah, that's the plan, isn't it? I mean, this this tour has been really great in the fact we knew it was going to be so much about exposure to a lot of people that don't know who we are. And we, again, having that experience and knowledge to not go in with some ul- ulterior motive or expecting like, oh, we're just going to go out and it's going to be you know massive crowds and blah, blah, and it'll be fine. It's like, no, I have that expectation that there might only be one or two people amongst a thousand that even know who we are and so having that like knowledge is almost it's empowered us to be like okay we're confident in what we do if we go out there and don't act as if you know with no like don't be sheepish don't don't hold back just put everything on the line and give people that very visceral organic experience of a show, if we were headlining in Melbourne, you're gonna get the exact same show here even though we're opening and only playing for 30 minutes. So it's like, that's where I think we take a a lot of pride in, you know, being the real deal. And you know, it's not us up there. Like it's a very authentic experience. We're putting ourselves on display and You know, that's the way I like to perform. It's very much me and the facial expressions, everything. It's like, like I was saying before, it's, I'm not thinking about it. I'm just letting myself be. And I think that's really refreshing for an audience, especially as an opener. We love that underdog position and we take advantage of it because people going in not expecting anything, you know, they're there to maybe, I don't know, get in a few beers before the headliner act and aren't really phased or whatever. But if we can grab their attention, all of a sudden they're like, oh shit, like I wasn't expecting. Wasn't expecting like an opening band to, they come up to us after the show and they're like, "You might just be like my new favorite band." Like, <laughs> I didn't come into the show expecting that to happen. Like, and that's such a that's such a cool response. It's that's why we do it. It's so great.
1: Mm. Well, you, you tap in there to how privileged you guys have said you felt to be opening up some of these shows, and you have played with some really awesome bands. Sleeping with Sirens now on this tour. Trash Boat, Don Broco again. What's it been like teaming up with some of those bands now, particularly Broco, like, for the second time? Like, Do you guys, have you fostered a real friendship with them? Could we see a collab in the future? Yeah, good question.
0: We have, yeah, become the best of mates. And I'm not just saying that, like, every band, you know, at the end of every tour, like, yeah, we're the best mates. Like, honestly, it's, it really feels like that. Like, they're our, they feel like brothers. They're, they've been this this year 2023 I, I don't think i'll ever be able to think of this year and not think of don broco because we've done the europe tour with them which was so much fun in march and then when they came over to australia in may uh, I, I was in sydney at the time when they played the metro so i got up uh, we went we uh, they actually were there a day early so i took them out a few of them rob and si, we went out to a, a nice beach in sydney and had a nice coastal walk and everything and we hung out then and, and Got up on stage the next night and sang a couple of songs with them in melbourne i think twiggy took rob out fishing one day and, <laughs> and you know they got up on stage and and performed with them there in melbourne at 170 russell and then now we like we're here getting to experience their show in their home country which has been so cool like their audiences are just so much fun like the crowds have just been so great to watch their performance is obviously so so brilliant but they're just them their crew everyone they're so lovely they've looked after us so much i couldn't speak any more highly of them um and so yeah to consider them genuine friends and people that i hope that we'll tour a whole lot more with i would say a collab is like just a snap of a finger you know we'd both just be like oh well yeah let's just do it, it makes sense come on like i think that's not even a question like of doubt so yeah no it's, it's been awesome
1: you've just mentioned there and we've alluded to your Australian roots we want to ask you we know lots about Broco about the British scene can you tell us though some Australian acts we should be looking out for what what is the Australian scene like
0: I think oh the Australian scene right now is really exciting I think there's a lot of a lot of bands that are are all you know like doing the hard yards but like it's paying off and I think there's a really great community building in Australia now and it's become like there's a whole slew of new young bands that are putting Australia on the map um, you know that from bands like Speed from Sydney, a hardcore band that have just blown up worldwide and are representing hardcore and Australian hardcore, Sydney hardcore across the world uh, just crushing it uh, to, to bands like Void of Vision, Alpha Wolf, uh, who are mates of ours from almost for almost a decade. We've been playing local shows with them back in 2012, 2013, and now you know that we just bumped into them the other day. Um, in you know uh, about a week ago, they're on tour with Amity Affliction, who are another Australian band, um, you know of note. Obviously, they're a bit more well known, but um, bands like Banks Arcade, Beautiful Monument, Teenage Jones, like. Teen Jesus and Teen Jesus, they just supported Foo Fighters, like, and it's all, they're all kind of in their own little world, but um, it's still rock music, it's still guitar-based music, it's still representing, you know, punk or metal or whatever it might be, it, there's a really great community in Australia and scene building there that I feel really proud to be a part of, and it really feels like post-Covid, any band that's been able to kind of survive and push through—they're working really hard, you know. They're doing all the all the touring nationally and internationally, and um, yeah, there's a lot to keep keep an eye out for.
2: Definitely, and that, like we can see from like social media that you are like a massive advocate for the Australian music scene. Like, we've seen you're an ambassador for Support Act and Bully amps the music festival. Like, what does like the music scene mean to you?
0: It's uh, it's honestly become like my family, and I, I I've sort of I've been able to adopt a mindset that I feel is is really healthy for me moving forward, and that's the mindset of no matter who it is, if they're if they're kind of successful in uh, like promoting and pushing forward Australian live music especially guitar-based music, which is, you know, that's where my heart lies in, in sort of these, these particular genres and these worlds that are a bit left of center and aren't in the mainstream. You know, anyone that is giving that a go and even better, like, finding success, like, I'm in their corner, irrespective of who they are or whether I actually personally like that style of music or, you know, whether I'm a fan or not. I'm like, that kind of doesn't matter anymore. Whereas maybe once upon a time I, that may have, I might have sort of thought like, ah, oh, it's easy to kind of get lured into that competitive mindset of like, oh, they're doing better than me or whatever. And I kind of just realized like that serves no one. So just seeing someone else's success, it's my success because it's m- my industry. It's my community. It's something that I'm a part of. So if I see a, a show sold out and it's one of my mates, you know, it's a, it's a Thornhill or something that are just they're they're crushing it i'm like that i'm so proud of that and i'm so happy to see that for them because that only means that my path and my trajectory has that potential as well um and so yeah it really does it's becoming more and more like a family and especially we can come over the other side of the world and we go to shows and the crew and things because we've been able to come here multiple times we've built up friends in multiple cities that they might come down to a show and do lights for us because they know our music now and they and they've they've seen on a tour they've seen 10 to 12 or 15 shows and they're like oh yeah i could do that for you or i'll come shoot you know photography or and, and it's just like if you can continue to build that community on a in a worldwide sense i think it's really important because touring is hard and it can be isolating if you're not sort of seeking out those right things and you mentioned you know the mental health aspect it's like You know, having healthy conversations and being there for one another, and bolstering each other up, and as I said, like being proud of and encouraging other people's successes rather than getting bitter or jaded or like envious. Uh, That's kind of where my head's at, and it feels like, yeah, I'm really proud to be a part of it.
1: Well, there are two words there: family and community. Which we've even found doing this podcast, like the amount of links we found from band to band. Interviewing people go, oh, we know these guys. We even found we're from Oxford and we were in Oxford recently doing an interview. We we're in the green room, sound tech comes in. And we go instantly, well, we know your trainers. Those are Oddworld trainers. Yes! Uh, exactly. Amazing. And it's like, yeah. oh, it's just these instant connections. That's you the make key
0: identifier, people. isn't it? Now. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh,
2: we yeah. want those shoes. Look, yeah. Actually, so I think that moves on quite nicely to Up In The Air Forever and talking around that album a bit. But like before we actually get into the music, the artwork and the shoe. Like there's a bigger
0: there's a bigger story behind the shoe yeah. on that bit of artwork, yeah. isn't there? There is, yeah. So we we uh, we kind of set out. It was like a it was almost like a parallel with ideas. It was like we we wanted this ide this cartoon and this image of like a shoe uh, like blasting through a wall, and it pretty much came at the same time of like this idea of. Like bringing an item that was on the front cover to real life, you know, we sort of hinted at it and did it with flip phone fantasy. Um, we we had like a a little fan giveaway uh, during COVID where we did this like uh, one of them we gave away as part of a, like a trivia thing we did like each week we had like a four week trivia where we were just asking questions and the winners with amount of like the most amount of correct answers would win one of these flip phones uh, that was like. Packaged in like a toy, a toy packaging, um, and that was kind of a fun thing to do to, to like own a physical piece from like the artwork, and that then led to this thinking of like, oh, what if we take that a step further, and uh, you know have something that people can own and purchase in the real life that exists on the artwork? We thought that's that's an idea that even like a three or four year old could comprehend as being like kind of cool, like like. I would think like if I was like four or five and I was like, oh, I can, I can have that thing that's like sort of always seems like with artwork or, or TV or anything, it always seems like out of reach. But the ability to kind of take that and bring it into reality, we got really excited about. And and I don't think, you know, any bands have maybe necessarily done this, especially in Australia. We're like, oh, it's kind of a left of center thing. It's kind of ambitious. We then tied a whole, you know, sort of idea around it of it being like the the idea is that you you put on the shoe and it's it's sort of the transportation device uh, and tool to get into the Odd World and and we we sort of told our fans like if you wear the Odd World 3000s to a show you get you know front of the line priority um, and you know it'll I wear we all wear them on stage and you know I jump and dance and fly around on stage so it's a, it's a pretty good. And they're really comfy as well, to be honest. Most people like wasn't weren't expecting these to be so comfy, but like <laughs> they're actually more comfy than my Nikes. And like, You're <laughs> really
2: selling them to like, me. Yeah. I mean, if I wasn't sold already, yeah, I am they like, are.
0: <laughs> they're like clouds. Saying
2: that, I'm, I was gonna say I've not seen any for small feet. <laughs> I've got very I know small feet, we and we
0: have had people on both ends being <laughs> like, "Can you please just like drop like one size below or higher?" And we're like... <laughs> Unfortunately not, you know, we're sort of, <laughs> we're not just a shoe company that can just like <laughs> rip them up, but,
1: yeah. But zoning in on the album itself, it's a really interesting time, both that album and Flip Phone Fancy, because I'm not quite sure of the timeline of COVID in Australia, but 14th of March 2021, that, for us, that's about like a week or two before we went into the 2020. big 2020, 2020 even. That's right before we went into the big first heavy lockdown. Like, as a band, obviously, not being able to play that out in shows and then writing up in the air forever and releasing that kind of post pandemic. How did you set about writing that follow up record? Like, what kind of lessons did you learn from maybe not even being able to play an album out to the fan base?
0: Yeah, it was a tricky one because um, we. We were like ready to take Flip Phone Fantasy out on the road and like have a couple of years of just having that full cycle and, and we were so excited on that album. It was the first one with the new lineup with Twiggy and myself on, on vocals and, and it was something that we we're really proud of. We'd just done, in January we did a tour around Australia with Amity Affliction, in February a tour of Europe and UK with Crossfaith. You know, last show we played was Newcastle, UK. We flew home and a week later the world went into lockdown and we, and our album came out and it was like oh you know our management at the time were like yeah this might last two years and like hearing that news it's just like so devastating because it's like yeah so much so much has gone into creating that that the payoff is getting to go out and play it perform it and tour it and and not being able to do that and not get the feedback from the live experience which is so imperative. Like for the Ocean Grove Odd World experience and what we do with the follow up music, it's so much of it is based on how we interpret the live experience and, and and go, oh all right, like that feels organic. Our fans and the crowd really respond to those types of whatever it might be. Grooves, sounds, breakdowns, choruses, whatever it might be. Not having that was really tricky because it meant that the only thing we could do with that two years that we all, you know, stopped with a standstill during COVID was like write new music and record new music. But not having that feedback meant that for the first time ever, we were just kind of going in a little bit blind and we had to sort of be like, look, I guess we need to kind of, we always want to be evolving and always reinventing ourselves and not doing the same thing as we've done on the last record. Um, but that was especially tricky because we were like, well, we don't even know necessarily what what the fan favorites are or what 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 goes down well with our last record. So it was a very bizarre time. Um, and I think what very much colors up in the air forever is that because we didn't have that to draw upon, what we did draw upon was just this sense of, well, the world's kind of in a bit of a you know, shit fight right now. There's a lot of negativity and toxicity getting thrown around and everywhere you look, it's sort of, you know, it's pretty grim. But what we can offer to the world is a bit of positivity and light um, and fun and, you know, an escape uh, and a catharsis, whatever it might be. And so I think that's the reason, the primary reason why Up in the Air Forever is so so bright and so... um, Colourful and positive and you know it, it, there's not as many dark tones on it as our previous records because we kind of just wanted to put out <laughs> it was sort of like the sister sister brother companion to Flip Phone Fantasy it's very much a continuation of the themes that we started to explore on that album and we're like okay let's see this through let's see this idea through and just see where where that takes us and I think it's produced some of our, you know the best songs we've ever written um, and as I said earlier like we were able to get I think a lot of a lot of stuff out of our system that we. I definitely felt from from a very young age I the kind of songs I always hoped to write and we actually did that on that record as much as it might not be the you know the, the record that will represent everything that we do I don't necessarily believe that I think it's just a piece in the puzzle of the entire sort of discography that's been and is to come and it'll always serve its, its place and being able to now tour it um, over the last sort of year and a bit. It's been so nice to sort of get that feedback, not only for Flip Phone Fantasy, but also Up near Forever and just see that both those records hold such an important place for our fans and, yeah. yeah.
2: And I do think as well, like it does definitely, whether conscious or not, it does kind of tap into that COVID time. I mean, one of my favourite tracks from the record is Bored. Yeah. And I remember that coming out being like, I am relating to this so much. I'm bored out of my brain, <laughs> like, and I love that. But I feel that at the same time, while it did recognize COVID, it did give you exactly what you're looking for. This more uplifting and hopeful future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely.
0: And I think that's that's always going to be a theme to, to what we're doing um, as much as the music might you know, delve into sort of heavier themes and heavier styles and whatnot, I think bottom line is is always that Ocean Grove is is wanting to stand for positivity and a positive mental attitude and like love over hate and, you know, peace over war. Again, (laughs) it's like to not be too cheesy, but like I as a a front man, I I feel like there's a, big responsibility for me as 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 well as every other front person or artist or creative whatever it is it's like if you have a platform you you have that's a very privileged position to be in where if you have followers young people especially that are looking to you for guidance and you know way through this world it's like we've seen a lot of examples over the years that are very much geared in the wrong direction and and you know we, we unfortunately came up seeing you know a lot of famous people not being the best role models for kids and they're the that's who we're seeing on social media that's who we're seeing on the TV and if if I'm in any position to sort of be viewed and we've had 9, 10 year olds at these shows where I'm like I want them growing up believing that A. they can do what I'm doing B. That, like, you can be in that position and still, you know, be a person of positive influence, and it doesn't have to be just all the negative stuff that we're so used to seeing. Um, so, I take a lot of pride in that, and I treat it with, you know, I treat it very seriously. I think, you know, I, I don't take it for granted that, um, that, yeah, the position that I'm in. Uh, is an important one and not to just be sort of cast aside as like, oh, I'm just going to have my fun and, you know, fuck everyone else. It's like, no, I, you know, I, I, I take it, yeah, very, very, it's a very important part of, of everything that, that I do in this band is making sure that um, the right message and the right example is, is being laid forward
2: definitely and and looking over your discography so you've obviously got rhapsody tapes flip phone Fancy, up in the air forever like i went back through um the rhapsody tapes actually and found the wrong the wrong way and i couldn't stop listening to it like i actually had it on repeat 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 and it just shows like throughout your whole discography that there is there is progression and there's so much amazing music and I'm sure so many amazing experiences that come with it. But what would you say has been the highlights so far?
0: Gee, I mean,
2: <laughs> tough question. it is such
0: a tough question because I think of tours over the years that we've done that have been so much fun, you know, the, re- yeah, the, the records that we have released that each one I'm so proud of and they all sort of serve a, a certain like timeline in my memory of, of joy and happiness and pride but um, I would say that the highlight like I'm, I'm just going to honestly just like bring it to like right now like the, the highlight is for me it, it continues to sort of almost be closest to like the nearest thing yeah. um, because I just think every step that we take we, we we continue to develop more of a keen sense of who we are and, and, and our identity and what we're about um, I think as a unit we feel more tight-knit and happy than I think we've ever been um, and our crew chatting to them last night they were like we feel really happy on this tour like this is the most we've ever felt looked after on any tour we've done and you know and the dynamic feels really great and we're over here supporting a band that we love that we're friends with. Uh, we're getting to do what we love: play beautiful venues, iconic venues that have had a strong history of bands. You know, when we played Brighton Dome, it was like came off stage and on the plaque is like, "Yeah, Jimi Hendrix has stood here, Pink Floyd has stood here." Uh, you know, David Bowie got a lifetime band because he encourages all the fans to rip all the seats out of the, you know, out of the out of the venue, and it's like. I can't help but feel like, oh, maybe right now is like my proudest moment because look how far we've come and look what we're doing right now. And, uh, yeah, there's been cool shit all along the way, but I really feel like we're just going from strength to strength and um, we've come so far just on this tour alone and it's felt so positive. So there hasn't been a single speed hump and everyone's been just so happy and the vibe has been so high that I'm like, this this is kind of perfect. So I feel like... It, maybe if it gets beyond this point, it starts to become disconnected. It's like, maybe this is the sweet spot. Maybe this is like, I don't know, like let's not kid ourselves. This might be one of the best tours that I ever do in my lifetime and that's okay. So I'm enjoying it right now and it's, you know, it's awesome.
2: I really like that answer. I really like it, like fully living in the moment. So looking forwards though, do you have anything new coming that you can tell us?
0: We definitely have new music around the corner. 2024 will be, yeah, sort of filled with new Ocean Go music. So we don't know just yet what it's going to look like, whether it's going to be a full album release or EP or whatever, but we've got a lot of new music that we've written, recorded. Uh, there's a new single sort of around the corner. So that's a little bit of an inside scoop that, uh, yeah, hopefully is not too far away. So yeah, we're really excited to, start this new chapter. This tour kind of marks the end of the Up In The Air Forever cycle. So once we hit 2024, it's sort of a, a new evolution of Ocean Grove, new music, new aesthetic, you know, sort of the works. And it's going to be really exciting.
1: I am aware that you are going to be on stage in about half an hour. Oh, my God, really? Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Yeah, let's do it. I, I, am, I am conscious that you've talked a lot about what Ocean Grove is all about, the odd world and what the band's ethos is about. For those guys who are across the street right now, waiting to go in, who maybe haven't heard of you, or even if they have, what's the one thing you want them to come away from? Come away from the show tonight and think about what they saw in the Ocean Grove set. What's the one thing you want them to take away?
0: I want them to take away the feeling that I referenced before of that feeling of being able to just master their own reality and, and walk away from the show feeling empowered, inspired, feeling like they can, every, we're all creative beings, you know, that they can walk away and however they feel they want to sort of put their soul and, and their, you know, their essence into, into the world and into the universe, that they can do that and be their authentic selves and embrace the thing that makes them unique. And different and maybe weird you know that's sort of a message of ocean grove that i embrace is sort of like you know find the things that you would maybe actually usually instinctively want to hide from people in the public that's in my opinion that's your greatest tool that's your greatest asset like put that to the forefront let people see your vulnerability let people see the thing that that actually you know represents who you are and can be like a positive example for maybe other people who are in that same position that might think, oh I'd never think to have, you know, like stuck my neck out in that way or, or you know, created it in that way or whatever it might be. And so that I hope if they can walk away with that feeling of, you know, that uh they can sort of time is precious and, and they can they can use their time and use their their life whilst we have it, and and this this beautiful existence that we've all been gifted, and you know step forward with a uh, with a completely different perspective as as what they walked in with, and go out thinking, wow, that actually just transformed my whole like view on life. And like if I can have that effect, and we can have that effect on on a crowd, then that's that's like the greatest gift and the greatest joy for me. And that that's our kind of at the core of our ethos. So.
1: Wow, amazing! Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us, Dale. I speak for both of us when we're—we both are so appreciative of you taking the time out just before you're going to be on stage. Yeah, Let's my move. pleasure. An yeah. absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. No Bye. worries.
0: Thank you. <laughs> Cheers. Thanks for having me.